Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, coming from Massachusetts, here is Sarah Hinckley. She helps spiritual seeking women experience greater joy and ease in their daily lives without abandoning responsibilities. She also loves talking about how to tap into our higher self and use it as a compass for guidance, support, and inspiration. And she, gave, she gives her clients the tools to handle life curveballs because they are, right? <laughs> so welcome. Very much happy to have you here, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It is, it's an honor. Thank you. So you have built Made for More Life Coaching. Yes. And this is, I mean, because we are made for more. Yes, I believe that we are all made for more. Even if we already love our life, there's always more, right? We have infinite potential. And I know that. And I want to help others to realize that. So whether your life isn't so great or it's amazing, we're always made for more. There's always more to take from life. So that's where that name came from. Totally agree. Yeah. On the same wavelengths, I can tell you that. All right. So my first question on Real Talk, Real Women, I'll just remind you that it's all about breaking the silence around abuse, mm. inspiring and helping those still living in it to gather hope for a better future, to see the light on the other side of the tunnel, to break free for themselves. So this is who, who we are talking to. Maybe <laughs> All right. So my first question, can you please just walk us through the life challenges that you did overcome because you are victorious so that we have the feeling that we know you and we know a little bit what you're about? Sure, sure. Like, why listen to me, right? <laughs> More than that, who are you? Yeah, yeah. So thank you for asking that. So really my story starts in 1997. Um, my brother was actually killed in a horrific car accident and uh, he was just 16, I was 14. Now you know how old I am. And um, you know, while obviously there was all the grieving and all those things that went on, <clears throat> I was 14 years old, right? So. I didn't really know how to fully process that. I thought I processed it, but really I was being strong, right? I had to be strong for everyone. And it taught me a lot, right? There were so many good things to take from it. And I know that might sound weird, but I think that everything in our life happens for a reason. And I, it, it immediately taught me that, oh my God, life can be gone like that. Like this isn't a practice round. You hear people say that, but I feel like it takes death sometimes to really understand what that means and to really go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, anything can happen. So maybe I really should start living. Maybe I should forget about so many of the shoulds, right? That, that society tries to place on us and do more of the wants. So I did live like that, but because I was 14 when this happened, once I got to college, I had my first bout of depression. I mean, I was waking up crying and I'm like, what, what is this? I didn't really know. <clears throat> I seek some help um, and was able to work through it. Over the next decade, I would find that I would have these cycles that um, something would happen in life, usually pretty small. And then that would kind of 
open up this, um, you know, old can of worms and, and, and these old feelings would come up and I would deal with this depression. So that happened maybe, you know, three or four times. It was pretty bad a couple of times, but never really something that was, it, it just felt like, oh, this is just life. Some people get depressed sometimes. It wasn't a big deal until five years ago. Five years ago, I hit a rock bottom. The depression hit me so hard. I couldn't get out of bed for a solid six months. Um, I did go to work somehow. Uh, I was like a robot, but for the most part, I was in bed and I was crying and I was miserable and I was suicidal. And I, I mean, if anybody looked up my history on my phone of what I was looking up every day, I was trying to figure out how I could end my life cleanly so that people wouldn't have to. So, because here I was already feeling horrible that I wanted to take my own life because my parents already lost a child. So I wanted to do it in a way that wouldn't be that terrible. That's how we get, right? When we're not thinking correctly, that's where our brains go. So what I will say is that I did need, and I resisted for a long time, any sort of medical help, right? I didn't wanna do the prescription thing. I, I had gone off of that. But I will say that I, I needed that. I needed that in the beginning to get my chemicals to a spot where I could then think for myself and, and just sort of be at that level. So that was the first thing that I did. After I started to feel normal, the very first day I felt like a tinge of myself because I was convinced, Gemma, that I was never, ever, ever going to be myself. And if anybody here has ever experienced depression, you know that feeling. It's like, I'm never going to be normal ever again. Not to mention, I've been, you know, not going to parties and or, or seeing friends or doing anything sociable for six months. So you feel like your whole world has just fallen apart. But that day that I felt a glimmer of the old Sarah, the old happy, inspired, uplifted Sarah come out, I made a vow. And I said, I am going to do everything in my power to make sure that I get my brain as strong as I possibly can. Because I did know at that point that our mind is a muscle, right? And just like our bodily muscles, we have to continually work them to keep them in good shape. So I made a vow. I'm going to do everything in my power. And I will work every single day on my mindset to get myself to where I want to be, to, to get into a strong place so I don't get back here or at least so I have the tools to get out of here if I do end up back here. And I wanna help as many women as possible to get to this place. As many women as possible who have gone through something similar, it doesn't have to be depression. Maybe it's that they've had a divorce or a job loss or a death. You know, some one of those major life events, one of those curveballs, right? That set them back and they've gotten themselves to a place where they're steady, but now they really wanna fly. That's where I come in. That's where I want to help people. And that's what really lights me up because what a different world it is now that I live in. You know, it was like having blinders on when I was depressed. I couldn't see how it could possibly be any different. And now, now I wake up every day excited. I really do. I'm one of, I wake up and I'm like, what are we going to do today? Who am I going to help? And how am I going to enjoy my life to the fullest? Because that's what it's all about. So that's my story in a nutshell. I went from, I, I was a pretty happy person to experiencing some depression, to hitting absolute rock bottom, 
and planning out throwing myself in front of the train that went across went in front of my house to now living every single day with joy and ease and helping other women to do the same and it's incredible and i want to also offer hope to those that if you're in the thick of it right now if you're in that depression the one thing i just want you to say want to say is is hold on to that hope even if it's this big and that's how big it was for most days for me but just get to the next hour the next minute the next day because things can change and even when you think that's it it's over there's no way i can come back from that it's not true it's not you can always reinvent yourself this is a wonderful testimonial sarah thank you for giving us that hope that may be missing at some point in life, that glimpse of maybe there is something, maybe there is a reason why I'm still not dead. Maybe there is more to life. Yeah, and one other thing I just wanna add is, you know, I know I was very much against going back on any sort of medication because I felt that made me weak, right? I, I can do this on my own. And not that I'm a huge proponent of taking meds, but sometimes if you're really down in the deep, dark depths of it, sometimes that's what it takes to get you to a point that you can then grow and get off of it. So I just wanna say that doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong because it's showing, hey, I, I actually am, I wanna take the wheel, right? I wanna take the wheel of my own life and I wanna get better. And sometimes that's a step that we have to take and it doesn't mean it's forever. Exactly. And those medications that you mentioned, they are meant to put our chemicals back in order in our brain so that naturally already at the hormonal level, we are able to enjoy life. Because I remember when I was um, giving birth to my second child, they have uh, injected in me the, the hormone of love at the second, I don't remember the name of it, but the hormone of love, of feeling in love. It's like pretty amazing. I, I just have it blank. I don't remember the name of it. And um, I remember that that was the thing that um, uh, started the real delivery process, the real labor. Ah. And I was very, very surprised about that, but it did work wonderfully. And I can tell you that during all the giving birth process and after I was truly enamored in love with my baby, enamored. I, I, it, was, it was the most beautiful emotion, sensation, experience, feeling ever. Oh, I've never heard and it was actually injected in me, meaning that it's a real thing when we can help with hormones and injection and medication and other things to change how we feel. It is a real hormonal, physical thing, chemical thing. So understanding that makes medication to get out of depression more helpful than weakening. Right, exactly. Mm. I always say we're like a we're like a car, right? A car needs gas to run. Well, our food, our environment, all of those things are our gas. And it does make a difference to what's going on and how our car runs, right? Depending on what we give it. 
Thank you. So, to, so I know that you mentioned a few times about your shift saying, I hit rock bottom. I was planning out my suicide in the most clean way. Okay. Um, what woke you up? What clicked to say, yeah, that's too much. I have to stop that. I'm made for life, not for death. This will come anyway, but I'm I'm made for life. What can you pinpoint that well, shift? Maybe there is in, in because at the moment you make a vow, what happens to make you click to make that vow? Well, I'd love to say that it was an epiphany that I had, but actually my mom saved my life. Okay. Because the, the day that I was writing the note and planning and it was happening, she happened to call me in the morning. She called me in the morning and I didn't answer because I was planning. And I'm like, what does she want? She, she had been aware, obviously, that I had been going through this. Me and my mother and I are very close. So she checked on me every day. But that particular day, her mom's spidey senses must have been tingling because she called. I didn't answer. And she then called a little while later and left a voice message and said, hey, honey, I just stopped by your work. I worked in the same town as her. She said, I just stopped by your work and I noticed that you're not here. I'm just going to come to your house. I get this message and I'm like, oh my, oh my God. I didn't want them to see any of this, right? So I'm like throwing away the, the note and getting everything ready. And by the time she got to the house, I was pretty much catatonic. I, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even move. I was just tears. And she was like, honey, you have to call the doctor. And I was like, I don't want him. I don't want him. She dialed the phone and she put it up to my ear <laughs> and I made the appointment. Okay. And that's what got me the meds. And I still resisted. I remember coming out of that office when they put me on the med and I was like crying about it. I felt so defeated. I felt so awful. I thought I was just going to go down another black hole. Really the moment for me was when I saw that glimmer, when I saw that glimmer of Oh my God, there, there's the Sarah I know. There, there's that girl. I felt it inside. I was, there was like, oh my, I could sort of see a future again. And I just sort of felt like a human again. When that happened, I was like, I want that. I'm grabbing that and I am never letting that go. So that was really my turning. I had to see it for myself that I could in fact be myself again. And once I saw that, I said, I want that. And I'm going to do everything in my power to keep that. And that's, and I've, I've always been into mindset work. I mean, I really, I got into it young, but this is when I said, this is a daily, I'm doing, this needs to be done daily, right? If we want to get good at anything and just like working out, if we want to have the best body possible, we got to work out every day. So I have committed to every single day, every single day. And I love it doing something that feeds my mind. Whether that's reading a book, listening to a podcast, talk, talking in a mastermind group, working with my own coach, coaching other clients, doing something to feed my brain what it needs to stay on track. Because unfortunately, as humans, our brains like to go toward the negative, right? It just, it naturally wants to go that way. So we have to build it up to, to, to take a new route. So that was really the moment for me was seeing that glimmer and going, yep, there's the old Sarah. We're gonna go get her and we're gonna keep her because this person, this, this way sucks. 
it does. So through your tears, through feeling defeated, you did take a few days of this medication that allowed you to grab a little bit of glimpse of the real Sarah, the the one who was hiding inside and to make that vow. So for you, your mother forcing you to go to the doctor yeah. Probably accompanying you at the doctor as well. I don't know. Oh yeah. She oh yes. Yeah. Was, like no. like, like yeah. you didn't have the tra- you you had a commitment and, and and you're still someone even at that time who when you make a commitment you you follow through your commitment and you said all right I'm coming I don't know like tomorrow or the day after all right I'll be there all right mom thank you for driving me I'm not in a state for driving anyway um, all right so I have to do that oh my gosh but that's acceptance through tears and through worst pain because of that thought of being defeated, which actually you were not, you were grabbing hope by doing that. Exactly. I didn't see it like that at first. But, but this was what you were doing. And then seeing that as a, oh, is it true for me? Can I come back to life? Actually, because this is what I really want. And it's not right away either. I think it was a good three weeks after I started taking stuff, three to four weeks until I got that glimmer. All right. So So that is a I'm going, this is awful. What am I doing? You know, I don't want to be on this. And then boom, there it was. Hmm. Oh, (laughs) this is why I did this. Okay. 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 Thank you. Okay, so it's 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 beyond important that point as well to hold on a few more weeks when you get started on the medication because of depression so that you can actually feel in your mind, in your heart, in your feeling, emotions, that you can actually get out of it and overcome it and transcend it and become yourself again. Yeah, I, mean, I, sen- I couldn't even read. Like my brain was so scrambled eggs, I couldn't even read. So I couldn't even do the things that I needed to get my brain where I wanted to before doing that. So that really needed to be step one. So we are really today talking about self-abuse because of depression or an abusive relationship with depression where, where you allow depression to overpower you until the time you can turn it over and overpower the depression up to the point of getting rid of it so now I have a question do you feel that sometimes you have some relapse and you want to give in to that depression ever again or the work is so steady and constant that it actually there is no place for depression anymore you know it's it's hard to say I'd love to say that I'll never go back there what I can say is since doing this every single day and working on myself every single day in the last five years, I have never felt even a glimpse of what I felt before. Part of what I've learned through being coached myself is, is how to actually feel and process feelings. Because what I had done with my brother's death was I, I felt it, right? But there's many layers, especially to grief. And so I might've healed these layers but this was still here, right? And I kept pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away. So one of the things that I did when I got coaching was to heal those layers, right? There was 
there was forgiveness layers there, you know, even of myself, there was so much more to that. And, and, but really what it came down to was just allowing it to be there to feel my own feelings. See, we don't do that as women a lot of times, right? We don't, nope, I got to be good for everybody else, but we have a choice, right? We can, we can push that away and feel a little uncomfortable for many, many, many years, right? So that's like the, um, the dis-ease that a lot of people feel, and that can fester as diseases later in life. Or we can allow ourselves to feel it fully for just a few minutes, maybe an hour. Most people don't need that much time. And then it's gone forever. That was one of the most important things that I learned. I like to liken it to a balloon. I know we weren't necessarily planning on talking about this, but I have this balloon theory, right? You know, you blow up a balloon, you blow up a balloon and you can pull the sides of it and it's like, right? <laughs> so pulling the sides of it and letting the air just eke out a little bit at a time, that's us resisting our feelings, right? So it's going to take a long time for that to balloon to deflate and it's going to make a lot of noise and it's just not going to be that pleasant. Or you can blow up the balloon and let it go and it's like, done. That's feeling your feelings. And that has made such a huge difference. I love this example. It's so real. And we have all <laughs> played with that at some point in our lives, right? And it was so funny when you were a kid, like, and just yeah. like making everybody, it. everybody did it as a kid. Oh, so yeah, we all did that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's an amazing idea. And it's true. And it's absolutely true. You can completely take that as an image of what is going on with your feelings. Yeah. So now when those things come up, because I have had some, there were some really serious things right after I had my, my little boy last year, little Jack, um, my mom was experiencing depression. Now this is something we both obviously kind of dealt with throughout our lives, but hers was really bad. And I had just had a son and, you know, they lost their only son. So it was very important to me that they got this time with him. And here she was feeling depressed herself and not able to get out of that. And that was, that was the closest I've gotten in the last five years to being depressed because it was like, it was just so gut-wrenching, but because of these tools that I've learned and because I've allowed myself to sit in my emotions and feel them, I mean, I remember days just letting it all out, but by doing that, I don't fall back into the depression hole. I'm working through it. And, and this is what I love to help others, other women do and realize that whew, we don't have to sit under this heavy, heavy weight. We have, we have choices and there's other ways of, of going about life that are so much more fun and so much better. I love having fun. Fun is like my top priority. Fun and freedom are my two highest core values. Fun, freedom, and forgiveness is a free F. Thank you. Never even thought about it like that, but absolute forgiveness is absolutely huge. Um, I mean, without forgiveness, you do not move on in life. You do not enjoy it fully. You hold grudges and it doesn't work. Yeah. And something that a lot of people misinterpret with forgiveness, they think forgiveness means we have to go and say to the person, I forgive you. What you did was okay. So many think that way, but the forgiveness is for us in us alone. And often you don't even have to go and speak with them 
I mean, you don't even have to go and tell them you forgive them. It's something that we do on our end. It's letting go of their anger and the resentment. And guess how much anger and resentment I had for the driver of my brother's car? There was a lot there. And there was even more for this other kid who continued to drive recklessly after his accident. There was so much anger and resentment there. But I'm sure you've heard the quote, how holding resentment is like drinking a little bit of poison every day and expecting the other person to die. I was poisoning myself with this. So letting that go freed me. And I didn't tell him, I've never talked to the guy, but I freed myself. And I love helping women with that as well, because man, we really hold, we can hold a lot as women, right? We can take on heavy duty amounts of emotion and pressure and we can also release it in just a few instances. And I love, love teaching women how to do that. This is just absolutely amazing and true. It's true. I like to say that forgiving, oh, that's, that's just for me. It's just, it's very selfish. But actually, it's a good self-care and it is the only way to freedom. You cannot be free if you hold a grudge. And when you forgive yourself included. Yes, yes. Because that, that is that you, you cannot forgive all the others and not forgiving yourself. Otherwise, it's like keep with self-blame, with guilt and everything. That's not healthy. So when we talk about happiness after depression, we really talk about this freedom, this forgiveness and this fun, those three Fs that are the most freeing thing that you can experience. With love, of course, but those elements are the one that allows you to enjoy your money, your love, your time, everything, your health. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. All right, Sarah, let's do a very quick blitz question. All right? Yes. Exactly, like a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it. you have like, I don't know, five seconds to come up with an answer. Like it's super short. All right. I'm ready. Okay. Three topics. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to money? The biggest struggle when it comes to money is allowing huge amounts in. I've always had enough. I've always had enough. And I would say even more than enough. It's been a mantra of mine forever. Money flows to me from expected and unexpected places since I was 18. And that's worked. But a huge abundance, that's something that I'm still working on, allowing myself to receive. Okay. Second question, what is your biggest struggle when it comes to time? My biggest struggle when it comes to time is understanding it. <laughs> um, I don't think it's real. I don't, it's just a thing we've made up. Um, I'm not somebody that's good with timelines. Like as you've noticed in my stories, there was no date except for 1997, but there's not a whole lot of dates. Um, because what was yesterday, how is that different from 10 years ago? Right. It's still in the past. So, uh, my, my biggest struggle with time is, is even just giving it much validity <laughs> we made it up we literally made it up as humans 
Thank you very much. And what is your biggest struggle when it comes to love, to relationships? <laughs> My biggest struggle when it comes to love and relationships is that I, I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's not really a struggle. I am very fortunate to have wonderful love and relationships in my life. It's probably something that I excel in the most, um, but I can't have enough of it. And so I meet people everywhere I go all the time and I'm, more and more people are coming into my life. And um, I don't think that that's necessarily a struggle, but I just have so many people in my life that I want to spend time with and share, you know, love with. And um, sometimes there's not always enough time in the day for that. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Thank you so much for answering all those questions. Thank you for being there, for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your expertise, and for really helping spiritual seeking women experience greater joy and ease in their daily lives with your 3F formula. <laughs> Fun, freedom, forgiveness. Or maybe forgiveness first. So that you can have fun. As long as, as long as it's in there. Sometimes you have to have fun before you even decide that freedom, that forgiveness is okay, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Sarah. Absolutely love the conversation and look forward to hearing you again. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Bye-bye for now. Bye.